tonight, conservative YouTube sensation Hunter Avalone joins us to discuss our lost, lost generation. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Hey Hunter, thank you so much for joining us. I've been watching your channel for quite a long time now, so I'm really happy to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So you've just released a video not long ago called uh, It's About Millennials. And you and I, we're both fellow millennials, so I was hoping we could talk about that. And if anyone hasn't seen it, we're going to insert a nice little clip of it here. Dear Millennials, stop being so entitled. The world doesn't owe you anything. This country doesn't owe you anything. The only thing that owes you anything is you. You owe yourself a realistic view of this world and an understanding that big daddy government isn't going to swoop in and take care of you because you decided to major in gender studies or drop out of high school to start a band. Despite this cold hard fact, it's not too surprising that Cortez was so popular. With the rise of entitlement among millennials, Cortez appeals to just that. First of all, she's a socialist. A recent Gallup poll found that 51% of young Americans now have a favorable view of socialism. Again, it's not the government's job to help you out of a tough situation you're almost certainly responsible for. It's also not the fault of some rich guy that you're poor. You are not entitled to government subsidies or anyone else's money. It's really quite frightening how popular socialism is becoming among millennials. I mean, come on guys, can we get a favorable view of common sense? Please? If you're struggling with student loans, not having a job, or not having a place to live, socialism, more government, is not the answer. The answer is personal responsibility. You talk a lot about different problems with millennials. Um, and of course, we're kind of the generation that everyone's ragging on right now. And hey, I, I understand it. Um, wh why do you think that happened, though? We're going to get into all the nitty gritty. Um, but why do you think millennials are the way that we are. I mean, did this just happen overnight or uh, should we be blaming our parents? What is it? Well, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the rise of entitlement among millennials. It's something I talked about in my in my video, uh, Dear Millennials, the one we were just talking about. Uh, you know, a lot of millennials nowadays are becoming more and more entitled. I would guess that social media has something to do with it. Just uh, it's a lot easier to kind of have instant gratification. You know, if you want likes on a photo, for example, it's easy to get that quickly. People are getting more and more used to having what they want handed to them right away. And I think that's why a lot of uh, millennials are also embracing socialism. I talked about it in my video as well. Uh, a recent Gallup poll found that 51% of millennials are now now have a favorable view of socialism. And that's shocking because we're not talking about, you know, do you have preferable views toward big government? That's actually, that's literal socialism. Um, yes. And I think I remember seeing a similar poll. And although millennials seem to love socialism, they don't really have a lot, I think, of information about people like Pol Pot, about what exactly caused the fall of the Soviet Union and all the issues that have historically mm -hmm. been associated with socialism. But I mean, nowadays we have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, fellow millennial, yeah. and people are just, you know, they're flocking to her. Um, she's doing things like promising federal jobs, a federal jobs guarantee, high minimum wages. Um, do, do you think that's why she's so popular? Is it the, the gimme attitude or does she actually have like a strong resonating message that maybe I'm just not hearing? I think the reason she's so popular is because she's appealing to the entitlement among millennials. 
I think that when millennials sit around and they hear, oh, wow, the government could just hand me everything I want. I don't have to work for anything. They like the sound of that because of the entitlement issue. And I think when I, I just think it's it's shocking how many millennials nowadays are OK with that mentality. I, you know, like, where did the work ethic go? Where did where did the idea go that, like, you should work for what you want now? it seems that they're just expecting the government to hand it to them. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I guess to play devil's advocate for a while, because I have this conversation all the time with people my age, sure you do too. Um, you know, you're definitely someone who the left has not been afraid of going after, but I mean, what's wrong with that, right? If there are these other people that have all of these resources, and if the US, you know, if the West really is the richest part of the world uh, that we've ever seen, then why not just you know, kind of redistribute that, make other people pay their fair share for the people who don't have uh, things like healthcare, for example, for the people who can't afford their own housing. What's what's wrong with that? If we're a generous society, why don't we just, you know, I guess, enforce this sharing that apparently everyone does love anyway? Well, what's wrong with it is you can't take other people's money. You can't take other people's things, the things that they've worked for and that they've earned just to give to someone who doesn't want to work for it. These people that are super successful, the 1% you'll hear the left always referencing, those people, maybe as generations go on, you know, like maybe their father was rich, so they, they were given money and it kind of handed down. Regardless, that belongs to them. That's those are their possessions. And although, like, what I hate is when people say they're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, their dad was rich, gave them money, so why can't they share some of that money? Because it's not technically theirs. Well, First of all, legally, it is theirs. Secondly, the father worked his ass off to make that money so that his children could be successful and rich as well. And now you want to take that away? It just – it. It doesn't make sense, and it's a, it's a very selfish and entitled mentality. I love how the left always talks about um, how the right lacks generosity, um, but I mean – it's very easy to be generous with someone's money when it's not your money, right? And exactly. what I bring out to people all the time is that if you're a wealthy person in the West, you are free to give to any number of charities. No one's stopping you. You're encouraged to do that. You actually get tax exemptions if you do do that. It's a good thing. And you can always actually donate money to the government. That is possible. Um, but, you know, telling someone under mandate of law that you have to give your money to someone else, I don't see how that makes you as a person more generous or more compassionate in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, exactly. uh, you know, the there was a study that was done recently also that looked at, um, you know, people in the 1% and how likely they are to be in that top income bracket uh, a decade later. And it actually turns out that most people who are currently in the 1% will not stay in the 1% over their lifetime. Now, part of that is sort of scary because it's like, oh, what's happening to your money? The other part, actually, I mean, it is kind of a good thing for the idea of social mobility, right? I mean, because mm -hmm. I personally don't want to live in a, I guess, a, a country just full of aristocrats who are just inheriting money and not doing anything for themselves. But I think if we look at the greater landscape of, you know, the U.S., even Canada and Britain, it's actually, it's pretty not like that. People are are quite mobile. Um, but uh, another issue you bring up in your video, which made me chuggle, is, uh, you know, the idea of millennial sensitivity, which, of course, mm -hmm. I think everyone's pretty familiar with by now. Um, I you know, Mental health issues are serious. Uh, I would never make fun of someone with a mental health issue. But when we're seeing, what is it, like a quarter of students who are reporting um, symptoms similar <clears throat> to PTSD, I think we yeah. have a problem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there was a study, uh, this was reported by The Guardian, 
that found 25% of students at, I think it was Arizona State, um, are showing PTSD symptoms because of the election. I mean, that's like, that's a prime example of millennial sensitivity, in my opinion. Yeah, right. If I, I, can't, I did, I went a lot more in depth in this in my video, just I can't imagine developing PTSD over losing an election. I mean, I wasn't particularly very thrilled with the uh, the midterm results. I was very disappointed that we lost the house. Right. But I'm not running around having, you know, Vietnam flashbacks uh, because I lost, you know, didn't get my way with an election. And in a way, this also ties in more with the entitlement attitude because they feel entitled to get whatever they want even in the sense of politics and an election. So when they don't win the election, when they don't get their way, they're so entitled already, they tend to develop these uh, mental health issues, which I don't really believe, you know, that I, if they really have mental health issues, that's, you know, a huge amount, like that's so wimpy in and of itself, but I don't really think these students actually have mental health problems because of the election. Right, I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, obviously, you know, if someone's been through something actually traumatic, whether that's abuse or war, uh, of course, I, I understand that. But, you know, trying to equate that to not getting your way in political elections, I don't even like, is that, like I can't I can't I can't fathom that. Um, but, you know, we're so I think <clears throat> millennials now we're kind of in our 20s and 30s. Um, we're in the stage of our lives where if we're not having kids yet, we're kind of going into that realm in the not too distant future. What can we do to make sure that our kids are are not as soft, <laughs> sensitive as our generation? Because, I mean, I don't want my my child being so delicate that, uh, you know, seeing someone they don't like speak on campus, whether that's Ben Shapiro or Ann Coulter or whatever, um, is enough for them to require a safe space. Like, how, how do we mm -hmm. avoid that? Is there a way or are we just kind of doomed to become, uh, I guess, increasingly snowflakish as the generations go on? Well, I've already thought a lot about this. And one thing I plan on doing is I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to actually expose my kids to both, um, like, different ideas. So I don't want to raise my kids in an environment where it's strictly just conservatism pushed on them. Right. Now, most likely, you know, they'll become conservatives because I'm conservative, right? But I don't want to keep them sheltered away from other, other viewpoints because what happens is you reach a certain age, right? And then you start to want to rebel a little bit. You start to want to become like your own person. And then you tend to just push away everything you were taught as a child, whether it was correct or not. That's kind of like what happened to me with religion. I talked about this a lot last year. Um, I was raised in an environment where I was never really showed any actual evolution, evolutionary theory. I was never taught any other viewpoint. I was just kind of told like, evolution is stupid. Like, you know, every, my whole uh, sphere, wherever I would, would go for classes or whatever, it was all the same kind of thing. Like evolution is, you know, bullshit, this, that, or the other thing. Um, and then when I got older, I actually started looking at it and I was kind of caught off guard by how many legitimate points there were in evolution. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want, like, I don't want my kids to become liberals personally. I'm going to love my kids no matter what, but Personally, I don't want them yeah. to become a special snowflake liberal. So the way I'm going to do that is actually by showing them both ways, both ideas. And also, show like, I'm not going to be afraid to show them 
where the left is wrong in certain areas, but also where the left could be right or at least have a valid point in mm -hmm. some things. I just I don't want to keep them so sheltered. So in a way, by actually exposing them to, to multiple different ideas, I think that's going to lead to them not growing up to being to become liberals because they'll be raised in an environment where they actually are understanding that it's important to hear both viewpoints and make the decision for myself rather than just being told this is wrong, this is right, you have to stick, you have to go this direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a, a great point and it's not something that we see a lot these days, especially when we look at um, you know, current institutions of higher learning. Universities are just notorious left-wing echo chambers and even when we're looking at grade schools now, we're seeing things where in Canada we have a gender unicorn that we're using to teach children about non-binary genders. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous and in response to that, I and a lot of other people I know, like, we, I, I definitely want to do homeschooling when I have my kids. I was um, homeschooled for part of my high school. I thought it was a great environment. Uh, I just don't want my kids to go through this indoctrination camp and and, you know, when I say that, I always get these other people saying, well, isn't that you doing the exact same thing with conservatism, trying to create your own echo, ch echo chamber? It's like, no, I'm not, you know, intending to make homeschooling this just pro-conservative, like, the only thing you're reading is Rush Limbaugh and uh, Bill right. O'Reilly, <laughs> and that's it. But, you know, it's, it's weird that nowadays wanting that balance is actually, I guess, actually seen as a bad thing now in your videos you, you know like i said you've done a lot of great ones if you haven't seen anyone watching this the one he did about millennials all of this stuff is on his youtube channel at hunter avalon um but you're very outspoken with your beliefs which i think is is a brave thing in this environment have you ever encountered i guess in your social circle any pushback to the type of things you talk about in your videos all the time, you know, I, I've had people that I would consider friends just kind of turn on me because they get offended over like a meme that I post. Um, usually when stuff like that happens though, I just laugh about it and then I roast them and then I forget about them because I'm not gonna waste my time trying to earn the approval of someone who's gonna get triggered over a meme. Mm -hmm. If like, I posted a meme a couple, uh, couple months ago and it said, it, I mean, it was kind of offensive, but it was still funny. It was like the bulge in a conservative girl's pants is a gun. <laughs> the bulge in a liberal girl's pants is a penis, right? Like kind of predictable. And I have been hanging out with um, <clears throat> this one group of friends. Ha they were actually coworkers before I had quit that job and just pursued YouTube. And we were in like a group chat and they all just started like dogpiling me, all just like telling me how offensive it was, how this, that, and the other thing. And I was just like, I was just laughing about it the whole time. The thing, my problem is <clears throat> I do come off as an asshole on my channel, but that's because I am a bit of an asshole in real life as well. <laughs> and I, but I'm, I'm an asshole with a purpose, first of all, and I'm enough of an asshole where I can still be kind to people. I, I don't just go out being a jerk to everyone, mm -hmm. but the minute someone's going to be a jerk to me, then I'm just like, okay, I'm going to just go full asshole mm -hmm. because I don't care anymore. And so, yes, I have experienced plenty of pushback uh, just from friends, even not so much my family. My family is, they don't really like my approach on things. To, it's kind of funny because my dad, he's a great guy. I love him to death. Um, he's not very confrontational. So my dad is more, he's confrontational when he needs to be. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like my dad's like a beta by any means. Um, 
but he's just not as confrontational as I am. Like I kind of thrive off the drama and off the pushback and I know how to kind of work that for my own benefit because that's kind of in the, the environment that I'm in. And I'm sure you have experience doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I posted, when I when my first video that really got in a lot of controversy was The Truth About Transgenders, posted about two years ago now, um, just getting a lot of like negative press, like it was actually featured in a lot of LGBT magazines and stuff like criticizing it. Um, and my dad, he kind of wanted me to delete the video, uh, because my mom was getting like some friends actually saying like they were concerned, just kind of like, you know, the, the very like soft, like we're going to not be offensive kind of way, mm-hmm. way of going about things. Um, and that was one of the, that was the one really the first time that I experienced a lot of pushback and where I had to say like, I hate that I'm getting so many dislikes. I hate that I'm getting calls from my work asking me to, like I was getting calls from the place I worked asking me to remove the fact that I worked there from my Facebook because they were getting bad press. Like that's how visceral the hate was. Um, But I was like, this is what I believe and this is, I'm gonna just stick with this. I'm not deleting the video and I'm not going to disable likes and comments or anything. I'm gonna just take the hate and which turned out to be a really smart move because that kind of that kind of uh, uh, set me up for who I am today, which is I don't back down about the things that I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, earlier you mentioned that even though we may want our kids to, you know, turn out conservatives, I certainly hope that way. But even if even if they don't like, you know, you said you'd still love your kids. Of course, I would still love my kids. And that approach, the idea that it's okay to still be friends with someone, even if they disagree with you, you could still love them, still have them in your lives. That is a more rare and rare thing, especially among the younger generations. And, um, you know, speaking of the issue of transgenderism, with the whole uh, the Trump administration shockingly uh, putting into practice that biological sex is in fact biological sex determined by biology uh you know the berkeley student senate they recently had this vote to condemn trump the trump administration on that and this one christian student uh senator chow i think it was or cho please don't like murder me if i'm wrong internet uh on her last name because she's a christian she simply abstained from the vote she didn't vote against it she just abstained you know, she even uh, released a statement saying, I respect everybody. We're all God's, God's children. I love everyone. However, my beliefs on what biological sex is, you know, I, I, I simply, I, I'm not going to vote for this. Um, mm-hmm. She experienced extreme amounts of backlash. People calling her a bigot, hate-filled. And keep in mind, in her, she affirmed that she loves everybody, even if she may not agree with certain life's choices. Um, mm-hmm. But she, people were, for lack of a better word, extremely triggered by that. Do you think, I mean, is it that just they don't understand the conservative conservative position because when you look at these people's reaction you would think that they were responding to literal nazis like this this i mean their approach in my opinion would be maybe justified if there had actually been someone saying you know hey uh let's just genocide this one group like to me that would be proportionate right but it's so far from what happened right well what it is is it's an assault on science for the sake of feelings first of all when people are people are acting so triggered and getting so upset by this uh, when like the Trump administration defining sex, we already knew sex was biological. Right. Everyone knows that. And I actually talked about this in a past video as well. I said, I thought sex and gender were different. That's what yes. the left is constantly yes. telling us. So if they're defining sex, who cares? We already knew sex was biological. If it wasn't, you wouldn't need a transgender surgery to change your gender. Right. Right. So we already understand that. 
what what's happening with that woman uh, at the college campus? I actually haven't heard about that, so thank you for bringing my attention to it. Um, this is the new face of the left, mm-hmm. which is if you don't bow down to our ideals, then you're a bigot. It's no longer just remember it used to be tolerance. Mm-hmm. Remember it used to be just like oh, you just have to tolerate us. Like you don't have to be super on board with it all. Just just be okay with it, right? Which most people could agree, yeah, we should tolerate like gay marriage, for example. Sure, be gay, I don't I don't care, right? But now it's no longer about tolerance, it's about you have to agree with me right. 100%. You have to get down on your knees, kiss my feet, and worship my, my ideals, or yeah. else you are a bigot. It's, it's honestly, it's quite frightening. It's frightening that that's the, the new mentality of the left. They are so intolerant now if you so much like that woman saying she loves everyone mm-hmm. that was a completely fair approach right. she has the right to deny voting in this stupid little berkeley thing which let's be honest it's not going to do anything anyway <laughs> right. she she has a she has the complete right to deny voting and you're right unless she came out and said like we should just start lynching trans people or something right the, which... the response that that garnered was extremely inappropriate and the fact that the left is so intolerant to any other viewpoints now, it's frightening. And in in a way, it's working against them though. It's pushing more and more people away from the left. At the end of the day, the left is gonna lose because they no longer appeal to the centrists or even the like the level-headed Democrats. My uh my aunt is a pretty staunch Democrat, actually. She voted for Hillary. I'm always kind of like joking around with her when she when she comes over like for fan like Thanksgiving or whatever. Um and like I'll make like little like jokes about Hillary or whatever, and she'll make little jokes about Trump. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're family. Right. Family comes first, right? So we can sit there and for like an hour get like in a really heated like argument over why Hillary is good or bad or why Trump is good or bad. But then afterwards, we just we shake hands and we go eat pie together because who cares? It's just politics. My aunt is what I would consider more of a level-headed Democrat. Like I enjoy talking politics with her because. She's not going to just flip shit as soon as I mention that I voted for Trump. She like the the direction the Democrats are going and I'm not putting words in her mouth. She's never said this. This is purely my assumption. The direction the left is going is no longer going to like it's a, it's only a matter of time before that no longer is going to appeal to her. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when you're open to hearing other viewpoints and you actually want discussion and you want debate and you want to hear you want to talk about why your ideas are better and why they make more sense, but then you have this group of people shouting you down, screaming that you're a Nazi for so much as not, I mean, yeah, not even voting to, I guess, condemn the Trump administration because you're siding with scientific fact. It's it's disgusting and it's pushing people away. Mm-hmm. And what I find kind of ironic about this is as a conservative, I'm sure you've heard it, we are so often called anti-science. Um, you know, usually for like, for example, let's say with uh, climate change now, I don't know what kind of predictions there are th- this week. It seems like they're always changing, but I don't hate the environment. I like the environment. Actually, I've never seen or, you know, met a conservative personally who hates uh, hates the environment and thinks pollution is good, right? We may have right, disagreements right. on catastrophic. If we all live on this planet. Right. And so to see the left take such a strong stance against something like biological sex being biological sex, it's like, well, I mean, who's 
who's anti-science now? Um, but thank you so much for coming on, sharing your insights. Uh, again, really big fan of your channel. I've been watching your videos for a long time. If people want to keep up thank with you. what you're doing, see more of your stuff, where can they go? Uh, you can look me up on YouTube just by searching my name, Hunter Avalone. If you type in Hunter A, it'll be recommended to you because some people don't know how to spell my last name. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, same thing, Hunter Avalone. That's mostly it. I was banned from Twitter last year, so. Yeah, sad. Another, another YouTube and Instagram. <laughs> the only places I am now. All right. And again, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks so much for having me.